good Thursday morning and welcome to Noah's Window. I'm glad you joined us again. All this week, Mary Alice and I have been talking about living in these last days and the challenges that we have associated with that. And I really do believe we are in the last days, Mary Alice, don't you? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the things that are happening right now that are signs pointing to the coming of our Lord are just happening with such rapidity that I don't think we've ever seen anything close to this in our lifetime. We have it, and they're so distinctive. I mean, yeah. the, the Bible's so clear that what we're seeing is what was being predicted. I, I just hear this every day from Americans who would say, I just never thought I would see this in our mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. And yet we are we are watching these things happen. Here's the thing, the reason why I, I, I say these things, when you look at what the Bible says about the last days and the tribulation, you have a one nation, global, totalitarian, a regime which uh, has complete control of everyone there and there is no privacy uh, because people are told they can't even buy or sell without the mark of Antichrist and one of the things that really stands out to me about what I see happening in our world today is it does seem to be pretty much economic yes uh, because if people say the wrong thing do the wrong thing don't have the right viewpoint then they can be uh, financially disenfranchised mm -hmm. you can you can lose your job you can you know we've seen some uh, situations where they actually just uh, shut down the bank account yeah they had no access to their funds and so i mean the idea that something like this could happen in the united states is just bizarre i mean we, 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 we wouldn't have even dream this say five years ago that's true and yet it's, it's part and parcel of the news that we see every day but we should not be surprised because the bible tells us this is what the antichrist regime is going to be you know when i was a kid i had the idea that uh when the antichrist took over there would be like armed guards on all the streets and all of that i, I just don't think that's what's going to happen it, it's economic in nature i mean mm -hmm. again it goes back to what the bible talks about in revelation 13 and 17 and 18 when it talks about the one world empire and it came down to the fact that nobody could buy or sell. Right. And so that's where the control is. And we're watching that happen today. And as far as privacy going away, mm -hmm. you know. It's already left the building. Well, it, it, it's certainly true yeah. electronically. And mm -hmm. as far as uh, information goes, mm -hmm. you know, in any kind of uh, stored file. But more than that, there's like nothing that happens in our country today that, uh, you know, some kind of news event, it's mm -hmm. been pictures are being taken. I mean, cameras are everywhere right. and people have cell phones everywhere. So we, we are watching uh, the last of the last days, I believe, right before Jesus comes back. And what we've talked about this week up till now, pretty much, is how that a lot of uh, God's people, uh, or at least people who claim to be God's people, have been part of this apostasy or falling away, right. moving away from things that they stood for in the past. So I want to go somewhere with that today, Mary Allison. The place I'd like to go is the 85th Psalm. Yeah. And a lot of people uh, who know the Psalms will know the Psalm. It's, I always call it the Revival Psalm yeah. uh, because uh, the line that we get the old song, Revive Us Again, is actually from this Psalm. It's verse 6 where the psalmist is writing, Won't you revive us again? So what's going on here is the people of God are in a great deal of trouble because they've sinned against God. They're, they've dealt with captivity. Um, and so the psalmist is trying to, to encourage the people to do the right thing to come back to God so that God can bless again. But that's where it leads us to the point that I want to talk about today. Mary, listen, before I read this verse, and we're going to be looking at verses 10 and 11 of, of uh, Psalm 85. I think a lot of Christians today, the reason why they cave and say that things are okay, that God says are wrong, they would, they would, 
classify it as love. Right. That's exactly what they call it. And they say, if you don't affirm that, then you don't love that person. You're not a loving person. Right. And so it's almost like God's truth is pitted against love. It's like mm -hmm. there's this uh, oppositional conflict going on between love and righteousness. The one thing that the Bible does is just blow that completely out of the water as fraud and, and you know, obviously God can't be wrong. So his righteousness is not the enemy of love since he's the one that the Bible says God is love. But in any event, set that aside for just a moment and just look at this clear language from uh, Psalm 85. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Mm -hmm. uh, and now not just love, unfailing love. Because most human love is will fail at some point. I mean, I, I just don't know that any human can lay claim to unfailing love. And yet that's one of the most common phrases in the Bible as it refers to God. It's his unfailing love. In other words, nothing can cause God's love to fail. But then it says unfailing love and truth have met together. And this next line is interesting. It says righteousness and peace have kissed. Yeah. You know, so there you, you kind of have peace being a, a synonym for love and righteousness being a synonym for truth. So according to God, truth and righteousness go together. Um, is that how you'd see that? Absolutely. Uh, and we always, the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. I think it's interesting if you back up just a couple of verses in the, in the broader context is what, of what's being talked about here. Is it, it still, it's, like you said, it's about the rebellion. But notice in verse 8, he said, let them not return to their foolish ways. Yeah. So God defines sin for us in the scripture. And, and he had just described all the, the foolish things that these people had done. And so when he's talking about righteousness and peace, kissing, he's not talking about compromising right and wrong or, or relabeling sin to be okay. That's not the way God defines love. You know... <laughs> I just get so amazed at the bizarre thinking of 21st century Christians per se. There's this concept that says if somebody is sinning, I don't want to hurt them by telling them that what they're doing is sin. There's a more fundamental misunderstanding there, and that is that sin hurts people. Absolutely. It would be like if I went to the doctor and I had a, a dreaded disease, but it was curable. If the doctor tested me, found that disease, and just said, you know, I don't want to spoil Mark's day. Right, so I'm not so, going to tell him. Right, I'm not, I might make him feel bad. I might, I might ruin the rest of his day if I told him. So I'm just going to say, "Hey, you're fine." That doctor wouldn't love me. No, because he's actually withholding the cure by withholding the diagnosis, and that's such a brilliant illustration because sin in our life is like a disease, it a is. deadly terminal disease, and we're the ones that can diagnose. God has diagnosed for us. Um, that we are in a sinful condition, but then he has the cure. And that's why he needs us to know. It's like we've been talking about in book by book, that the law teaches us that we're in a sinful condition, which is our diagnosis that we need God to heal us uh, by what Jesus did for us. So if we don't ever recognize our, our true condition, then we won't understand the remedy for our condition. Well, I just want to go back to uh, that verse one more time and, and exactly what you say. You, you made me think about something. Uh, the Bible says unfailing love and truth have met together. Now, unfailing love is sometimes translated, that those, the, those same Hebrew, Hebrew expressions translated grace. Mm -hmm. And that takes me to John chapter 1. Because mm -hmm. the Bible says that when Jesus came, he was full of grace and mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. So you can't say, well, I believe in grace and not truth and still believe in Jesus. 
Correct. And you can't say I believe in truth and not grace and believe in Jesus. If you, if you believe in Jesus, you have to take both grace and truth. You can't apply grace without truth. Right. It isn't grace. It, well, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. In fact, you cannot separate grace right. and truth. I mean, you can't. the truth of the gospel is I am a sinner on my way to hell. Grace, on the other hand, tells me that I have a way out of that through what Jesus Christ did for me. Well, if I think about grace telling me I have a way out, way out from what? If I, if I don't know that I'm a sinner, then it's grace is no longer relevant to me. So we need both those messages. We need both of them. They're inextricable. Well, I, let's just go back where we started. We said we're talking about living in the last days and, and just how that a lot of Christians uh, or Christians so-called, that's up to God. But a lot of Christians are folding like cheap suits on, on key spiritual issues the Bible says the Bible gives us no no wiggle room on. But when they're asked about it, they say, well, I'm just a loving person. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not love, is it? No, it is not love. And so for those of us who are Christ followers, that's our challenge. And, and you know, that challenge is going to hit some of us differently. I mean, for some of us, we may be a little bit more cosmopolitan in our view and say, well, I, I really believe that love means you don't have to, or you shouldn't say that something is wrong. Well, we're going to have to think about truth as well on the other hand there are some christians that are so focused on the truth that we they forget to be gracious and understand that god loves the people who are who are trapped in sin right and that's equally wrong and it's equally repulsive to the gospel i just love that line righteousness and peace of kiss yeah. <laughs> what an expression i know the holy spirit inspired that so he had to mean something and like we that. didn't talk a whole lot about the the piece of that too that, that you just brought up it was peace because Peace is something we all crave. Mm -hmm. And peace is another thing that the people that are compromising think they're buying. Right. But that isn't true peace. And uh, but, but true peace is coming. Well, and again, peace is a result of the gospel because mm -hmm. the Bible says we have peace with God, you know, through Jesus who gave himself for us. In fact, the first huge book that Billy Graham wrote back in the 50s was called Peace, Peace with, with God. God. <laughs> and and that's what Jesus made. I mean, we're separated from God because we're sinners and he's God and Jesus stepped into the middle and because he was God, he could touch God and because he was human, he could touch us. He took our sins upon us, upon himself and then brought both of us together. Mm -hmm. So we have peace with God. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, Mary, let's pray for us, please. Yes, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that you have provided truth so that we can know uh, what our condition is and that you've provided the cure. Thank you for Jesus who gave himself for us. Thank you for sending him. And I just thank you, Father, for the hope that we have in the future because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm so thankful that that's available, that salvation is available to anyone who will believe and receive him. And we just pray that if there's anyone watching or listening today that hasn't uh, pray to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that today will be that day, and that they'll just uh, call on, on Him to be their Savior, to forgive their sins, and we know you promised to do that, and help us at New Spring to be a help to those who are new in their faith, help us to um, help them to grow, and I just pray that you would bless us in that, and for each and every family that's watching and listening today that are facing various challenges, I know so many have sickness, and tragedies and financial challenges and just so many perplexities in this world and I just know that you know what's ahead and I just pray that you would guide each and every one and each and every family draw them close to you and may they know your presence and we'll give you all the glory and the praise and we ask all this in Jesus name amen amen thank you Mary Alice and thank you for joining us yes oh Noah's window today and God willing we'll be back on Friday 
for one more uh, edition, or one more episode of our Living in the Last Days. Living in the Last Days. I think I've got something tomorrow that'll be an encouragement to you. Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. God bless, see you soon. Thank you.